0: Everybody, welcome to the twenty-second episode of Drive Through FM, and happy New Year! Happy two thousand nineteen. Uh, as you can tell from the title of the podcast slash video, this is going to be my top fifteen anticipated games from two thousand nineteen. Uh, I haven't spoken on a purely FM standpoint since about November, although I did release my top ten games of two thousand eighteen. Uh, on the podcast feed itself. So hopefully you got a good listen out of all that stuff. And uh, we're just going to jump into a couple of like reviews and things to kind of uh, round things out to get started. And then I'll jump into going through my top 15 most anticipated games of 2019. So if you missed on the channel, I have had actually a struggle with my most recent review. It was not showing up in a lot of people's uh, subscription feeds, which is weird. I still got a a fair amount of views on it so probably from sharing on Instagram and board game geek and stuff but kind of strange so i don't know what to tell you there it was seems like that's the only video that had a problem so i don't know if it's a new problem or it was just a bug or it's kind of a, some other weird things went on with the video but uh, so my most recent was new frontiers which is the race for the galaxy board game which i absolutely love uh, definitely watch that review i like it at all the player counts i haven't actually played it with 5 yet uh, but I think I like it with two the most, but I still really like it at the other player counts. And for right now, I think it's my favorite of the race role, New Frontiers, you know, kind of the trilogy of Race for the Galaxy games. But it's also like brand new and stuff, so who knows. But right now, I think it's my favorite. And then the other two games I reviewed actually were from both from Simon Inc., uh, Victorian Masterminds and Narcos, the board game. Uh, Victorian Masterminds definitely... Uh, the family group has liked it more the game group was like a little bit split on it um but most of us that played it liked it in the game group it's from Eric Lang and Antoine Bauza so the designer of Seven Wonders meets the designer of Blood Rage so to speak but a really fun kind of light-hearted game with a light-hearted theme and uh I definitely recommend that game for sure especially for like a casual kind of family group kind of atmosphere. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of kind of little mini surprises and things that can happen throughout the course of the game, and it plays pretty quick. It's really straightforward, all that stuff. But there's enough there to kind of chew on to keep you interested. Uh, It's not like basic in any kind of way. And then uh, Narcos, the board game, fantastic. Uh, Everybody that I've played this with has said that it kind of replaces uh, Fury of Dracula, Scotland Yard, Hunt for the Ring, all that kind of stuff for them uh, so it's kind of a hidden movement one versus many uh, one player is playing uh, Pablo Escobar basically and it's based on the TV show which is of course based on real-life uh, exploits of Pablo Escobar and the other players are like DEA federal police in Colombia some other drug cartels that are competing they're all kind of working together to unravel Pablo's operations and it has a bunch of twists on the hidden movement Uh, style of game. I mean, it's not, doesn't really play at all like those other games. I think that's why, uh, you know, everybody seems to really like it because it's kind of a breath of fresh air in terms of the mechanics and such. So those are all the current videos there for January I've put up so far. Uh, A couple other reviews I'll go into quickly uh, that I haven't had a chance to do a video on. And unlike uh, most times when I go through this list of games to talk about, there's not really any outright stinkers uh, in this list. These are all uh, very decent games and i would definitely recommend them to uh... varying degrees uh... to folks to at least uh, take a look at uh... so let's get through the first one here the first one is australia and this is from stronghold games designed by martin wallace and this is a very weird different game so it's actually a spiritual sequel to a study in emerald which martin wallace has put out two editions of it's kind of like a sherlock holmes uh, smashed with Cthulhu deck-building game, uh, you can go dig up. I think I did a review of the second edition. Uh, the first edition I actually didn't really care for. But Australia takes place, instead of in Europe, it takes place in Australia. And it's sort of like a railroad game. Like, I don't know. It's not really like any railroad game I've played. But you're building railroads and kind of getting good and stuff and delivering them. But then you're also using those rail lines to send out different types of troops and tanks and all that kind of stuff to fight all of these Lovecraftian demons <laughs> which you know this is it's a railroad game where you fight Cthulhu really strange um, there is kind of an issue that I didn't find so much of an issue I did find it some like kind of an issue and some folks in my group had a bigger problem with it and then some other folks I've talked to online also they've had the same kind of issue so it's a semi co-op although you can play it as a co-op and it's very easy for somebody to sort of get beat up by the game, and there's nothing really that the other players can do. Sometimes it's, it's a little tricky to help out the other players so that they don't get knocked out and then end the game early. Uh, and then also, like, the combat is this card-flipping thing, which is really cool. I like it mechanically, but when we played it, we had a few instances of, like, that taking a while. Now, it's not, like, ten minutes to resolve combat, but just in sort of the pace of the normal part of the rest of the game when you'd have combat sometimes it would be kind of a long pause just in comparison or relative to the rest of the game but I actually would maybe recommend that folks give this a shot because there are a lot of things that I really did like about the game uh, I liked all the mechanics even though combat can sometimes be sort of wonky and if you one thing to know about combat is if you go into combat without a variety of of troops that's probably gonna lead to a long combat but if you go with the different types of troops like you have some foot soldiers some tanks and then like a blimp you can get a blimp and stuff uh, if you have a variety there it's gonna be a little bit more interesting so and the rules do tell you that but sometimes you just you don't really have a choice or you just kind of forget and you really want to take this thing out and so on so you can get in kind of a slog um, but if you played it as a full co-op which I haven't didn't have a chance to do that I think actually might be a pretty fun game. You kind of increase the difficulty of the game because during the course of the game the Cthulhu monsters and stuff will come and try to ransack your different farms and stuff that you build around your rail line. Uh, But if you play it in a little bit more of a co-op way and then that'll bump the difficulty up and then that might actually be the way to actually play it. But because of the semi co-opness of it that has led to some like feel bad moments in the game that just nobody really feels good about, even the people not getting beat up. So, but I recommend it because it's so different. And well, I don't recommend it, but I recommend people try it. But it's so different and everything. It's it's worth trying. So that's Australia from Stronghold Games. Uh, the next game is Newton. This is from Simon Inc. And this is from the designers of well several different games. I, a couple of these designers kind of have helped out. I think on I might get some of these wrongs like Marco Polo. Zolkin, Lorenzo and a few other games so they're kind of like a little group of designers out there and Newton I really liked as well it this it's very abstract as kinda my one sort of caveat to it and I don't mind the abstractness of it but you're playing these cards activating these powers and moving stuff on like I don't know half a dozen different tracks and things and then kinda building up a collection of these icons as you play cards you'll play them over a few courses of rounds And then you'll take one of the cards you played that round and kind of tuck it under your board, and the icon on that will stay available. And so that'll kind of uh, power up other cards played with that icon and so on later in the game. So I think anybody that really likes a kind of a mechanics-heavy, sort of point-salady kind of Euro, it is kind of a point-salad, then you you would definitely uh, like Newton. And I liked it uh, well enough. But it, is, it did kind of lean a little bit on the abstract side for me to like wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, because it's like you're just sort of juggling all of these different tracks. And like sometimes you're sending out little explorers to go out and like visit different universities. And you have like little students on this other track and they're kind of going up this sort of tech tree thing. And then you're collecting different kinds of books on your player board and so on. So it does come across feeling very, very abstract by uh, the end of the game. And there's like a Bunch of varieties and setups, and you shuffle up tiles for end game bonus points and all that kind of stuff. But it definitely is nowhere near a bad game or anything, it's, it's very solid, very well put together. And again, I definitely recommend folks try it with the caveat that it's pretty abstract. So that's Newton there from Simon. Uh, the next game we're going to talk about here, we've got two more, is Carpe Diem. This is from Stefan Feld, and this kind of trickled out at least over in the United States at the end of last year, uh, right about now. I believe it had a wider release there in Europe, and this is kind of a co-published from Ravensburger and Aaliyah, and if you listen to my top 10 of uh, 2018 you'll know that Form Trajanum uh, was on my my top of last year, and this one uh, would not make it on my top of last year, but it's still like a pretty good game. Uh, it has a very interesting uh, mechanic that I've not really seen where you sort of are on like kind of a rondelle Uh, There is a thread on Board Game Geek to make it simpler than I probably could explain it, but you move these little pawns kind of back and forth across the circle, and then you can take tiles. And then you take tiles, and you're going to add them to, like, your little boards. So if you're thinking of, like, a Tetris or maybe kind of like Patchwork from Uwe Rosenberg, although the way you put stuff together is not like that. It's almost like doing your own little Carcassonne board in front of you. And you get little bonuses and things and uh, trigger special abilities and all that. Now, there's a thread on Board Game Geek that actually makes it, says it's easier to just kind of move stuff around a circle clockwise. Um, sure, I think that might be easier for some folks, but from reading the rules and just playing it how they're described in the rules, how you move your pawner around the circle, I thought it was pretty straightforward. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there's a thread on Board Game Geek if you want to go look it up if you find that part confusing. Uh, but yeah, I like the game. Um, it's better two player, it's not terrible at three and four player. But you can get into the a certain point of the game where some people, especially when you play at four player, can just kind of get screwed out of bonuses uh, at the end of the round. So you, you play over different courses of the round, and there's this kind of like grid of bonus cards, and you have to like put your little scoring token in between the cards to score the bonuses on either side. And if you can't, you get some negative points, and if you can, you get points. So... Running up that kind of initiative order, so at the end of the round you get first choice of those cards is very important. But you have to kind of balance that with actually doing the stuff that would give you the bonus. Because if you get first choice but didn't really do much else, you're not going to score any bonuses and you're going to lose points. Whereas if you did a bunch of stuff and you're at the back of the order, then everybody's going to take the ones that you want, or just to screw you out of it, or they just take the one that was you were going after, and then you're not going to score any bonus points anyway because you don't have the right stuff to align with the bonus card you're going to pick. So, in the multiplayer games, that happens like a lot, and it just kind of like doesn't... It feels like you can't really uh, get around that, and then it becomes a sort of a little bit of an AP situation where you're just sort of mathing out stuff and doing it. But in a two-player game, it does work a little bit better. I mean, it does scale fine because you add more tiles for more players, but it seemed like in a two-player game you can sort of stay out of each other's way a little bit and then be more precise in your attacks and in your pre- preventing of, you know, what the other player's doing. So the two-player game, I, I liked it a, a fair amount. But as the multiplayer, I definitely liked it more. Some of the folks at the table, some of the other folks at the table were like, yeah, they didn't really like it at all. Especially because we kind of played it Uh, sort of back-to-back with Forum Trajanum, and that was much more liked and everything. So everybody, you know, it's like, okay, well, which Steffenfeld you're going to pick, we'll be picking Forum Trajanum over uh, Carpe Diem. But this is still one that I would recommend, especially for a two-player situation. If you've got, like, a spouse or something, I could see this being a very quick, you could probably play it in 30 minutes once you know the game, you know, quick back and forth. So even if you do get kind of screwed out of stuff and you kind of feel like it's unfair then, you know, the game's over quick enough. It's not that big a deal. But that's Carpe Diem. It definitely didn't blow me away, but it also didn't, like, you know, tick me off or anything either. And then the last game we're going to talk about is Beta Colony. This is from Rio Grande Games, from the designers of Fleet and a few other different games that they've come out with over the last few years. And this has a really cool central mechanic that I would really like to see uh, repeated in a different game. Uh, now, the rest of the game is just kind of like, you know, sort of generic Euro stuff. Uh, and I will say, come on, my my one ding with this is, I don't know, I find like the board and everything like super ugly in this game. Uh, you know, and that's, I don't really like to get too much into art and stuff on board games because that's sort of, eye of the beholder and, you know, gosh, sometimes if I'm playing a prototype, it doesn't really bother me. But, <laughs> uh, so kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth there, but... I don't know, I just don't really like the look of the board and everything because I kind of feel like they could have done more with it, like developed the art and stuff more. Now the cool mechanic of it, which is why I think people should try the game, is one player will roll four dice, each player has four different colored dice, and then one person rolls them, and then everybody else will take their dice and match exactly what they rolled. So if I rolled a black five, a red two, a green three, whatever, you'll just have a black five, a red two, and a green three. And then there's like a rondelle in the middle of the board, and you choose on your turn one of the dice to count the number of spaces that you move around the rondelle, and then another die to actually activate that space. And so based on the color and the number of the die, you're going to activate that space in a different way. And sometimes you get a bonus, so like, oh, if I land here, I get an extra point or something if I use the green die here. And you're just kind of traveling around collecting goods, spending goods to put tiles out on like these three moons, because uh, you're sort of like colonizing these different uh, moons and stuff. And you'll put out little like production facilities and things like that. And then you're kind of doing like a little area control thing on those moons with those tiles. And then you're collecting like artifacts and stuff to get bonus points. And they'll kind of trigger off sort of how those tiles are arranged on the moon and stuff. And so, yeah, it's fun. My group was very split down on the, uh, on the middle uh, with this game, but like I said, I really liked and enjoyed that core uh, mechanism there because there was it had a very sort of Castles of Burgundy kind of feel in a weird way, where you're like because you can get fuel and stuff to mitigate the dice to either move around or or to, the dice you use to activate, and so you, you might stop on a spot and collect some fuel, or like on your turn you can just burn both dice, stay where you are, and just collect fuel that way. Uh, so that's like kind of, you know that's like collecting workers in the castles of Burgundy, let's say. And so kind of playing around with that, trying to sort of piece out your path for the round. Because again, you get four dice, so you do one action using two dice, one to move, one to activate, and then it comes back to you, you use the other to move, activate. And so you try to piece that out based on you know what the bonus uh, cards are for that particular phase, which is really cool. That was another thing I really liked about it. So you have three cycles because there's nine rounds, so three rounds, three rounds, three rounds. Three rounds and then they'll give you like a bonus for the first three rounds, and then you have a scoring at the end of the third round. And then in rounds four, five, and six, you get a different bonus, and then you get a different bonus scoring at the end of that round. So you're trying to balance that off and like, oh, if I go here, I can get extra goods based on the bonus. Or when I go here, I can spend like uh, different, you know, goods are become like more wild goods or whatever that you can spend to add the different factories to the moons and so on. So there's a cool kind of balance there between the dice that you get how much fuel do I have? You know, what do I want to get here? What are my bonuses? I need some artifacts to get these endgame cards and stuff. So there's, there's a lot really cool going on here, uh, but like thematically and stuff, it just sort of fizzles out. And it just after you play it a couple of times, it just kind of feels like oh, this is a really cool mechanism in the middle. Then you just kind of have kind of sort of samey euro stuff around uh, bolt on around the outside of it. So I think if you wanted like a burgundy style game, and it's about that same kind of weight, I would definitely take a look at it, uh, because I did enjoy it. I played it a couple times, and uh, and I think maybe a little bit of my group's attitude towards it sort of put me down a little bit further on it, because I do kind of see what they're saying about it just kind of being a little bit blah outside the main mechanic, Uh, but I definitely would recommend folks definitely take a look at it, uh, because I think it's a good kind of medium weight uh, dice game. Uh, That does feel kind of like a throwback to Castles of Burgundy or something like that. So that is uh, Beta Colony from Rio Grande. So let's take a quick little break here and then I'll kind of blow through my top 15 anticipated games of 2019. Okay, welcome back, so let's go through my top 15 uh, games of uh, 2019, and uh, 15 is kind of an odd number, but I just kind of arrived at that, I had a couple more, um, and then I was just kind of, you know, okay, am I really anticipating this that much, and so I just kind of happened to land right about the 15 mark, and I thought, well, that's a nice, fine cutoff, so let's jump into it, and so the first one, number 15, these are these are kind of in order. It was I tried to put them in some kind of order, uh, now some of these I should say I have played once, I don't think I play any any of these more than once, like at Gen Con and stuff like that. Uh, some of these I have, I'm looking at them. I haven't actually had a chance to follow up and play them, uh, and uh, some of them are on the list and they showed up. So I'm like, oh, that's fortuitous. And then some of these are not coming out for a little while, and you'll kind of notice not a ton of Euros on here because there's there's some, but obviously the Euro releases are you know at the end of the year. Like we don't really know what's being released at Essen, so it's hard to say. Uh, that I'm anticipated about it. And there, there's probably, like, somebody will say, what about this? On And on Boarding Geek, there'll be, like, a paragraph. And I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's no pictures, you know, or anything. And so, uh, so I'm sure there's some Euros we know about. Uh, but anyway. So the number 15, back on track, is Thunderstone Quest expansions. And I just kind of did a general category for that because there's a couple kind of coming out. I know that the co-op expansion, the solo co-op expansion is coming out. I know that there's another sort of uh, add-on pack, like a sixth sort of quest line and stuff like that. I'm not quite sure how those are being released because they did Kickstarters, and then there's sort of a little bit of back and forth about how they release them in retail and stuff. And I didn't back the, the newest Kickstarter for it. Uh, but yeah, I'm super looking forward to kind of expanding and keep, keeping to continue playing uh, Thunderstone Quest. So that's number 15, Thunderstone Quest Expansions. Number 14 is another expansion. This is for Everdell and it's called Pearl Brook. And this looks uh, looks really cool. I, I watched the, the Kickstarter for it, and didn't actually back it, uh, but I'm definitely going to try to pick it up uh, later in the year when it does come out. Uh, looks really neat. It's got a little, uh, if you know Everdell, it's got this giant tree with this like sort of forested area and now this, you're going to tack on like a little river side to it. And it gives you kind of another currency that you can spend, some more action selection spaces and uh some more cards and stuff. So yeah, I could find I've played Everdell quite a bit over the last year, and so I'm at the point where I like, hey, I want an expansion, because I kind of know like all the little combos and stuff uh that you can do. And uh which is good on the one hand, because everybody kind of knows the cards now and they can kinda know what people are going after and what to take and what to prevent and all that. Uh but it'd be cool to, you know, splash in some more variety to that. Uh so that's Everdell. Brooke, number 14. Now, number 13 is... This one kind of shouldn't count, but it's Eclipse 2nd Edition. And so, yeah, I've I really been looking forward to this coming out because uh, it's got some of the expansions built in, a little upgraded components and everything. Uh, the gameplay, from what I understand, is pretty much the same. And I've been kind of hankering to play Eclipse. I mean, my kind of space 4X of choice right now is uh, Forbidden Stars, which I haven't had a chance to play, I think, at all this past year. No, I didn't play it at all. But <laughs> I've been hankering to play it, so that's a good sign. So I would like to try to play it this year. We've talked about it a little bit in the group playing Forbidden Stars. I would like to get back and play Eclipse again. And, uh, you know, that's something that's been brought up in the group and mentioned as a desire to play. So I'm I'm excited about playing Eclipse 2nd Edition to kind of round out a little bit of the rough edges, I think. And, uh, yeah, so that's number 13, Eclipse 2nd Edition. Number twelve is from Gale Force Nine. I think it was a little bit delayed. There was some thought it would come out last year, and this is Aliens: Another Glorious Day in the Core. So this is basically uh, looks like a co-op dungeon crawl set in the sort of time of the second Aliens movie, and so which is a great movie. I love that movie, and it would be really fun to play an Aliens-themed game, which I have not played. I know there's been some over the years. But I've not played an aliens-themed game, so I'm curious if uh, Gale Force Nine can pull this off. Uh, I know that they've had some their development folks leave and stuff, but I think hopefully this is their, Whoever's still there is is good, and they haven't really disappointed me too much with any of their games that they've come out with. Uh, so I'm excited to play it. I mean, they've got the aliens IP. It's a co-op dungeon crawl, which is you know there's, those are a dime a dozen, but those are fun. And, you know, it's got the Gale Force 9 backing it, so they'll probably do something kind of interesting and different with it. So that's Aliens, another glorious day in the core. Number 11 is Hellboy, and this is coming out for Mantic Games. And I'm not really into the Hellboy IP. I just, you know, whatever. Just You can't, like, love everything. So Hellboy seems like a cool thing. I don't know. (laughs) The movies are kind of fun. But the designer is James Hewitt, who's done a lot of games that I've enjoyed. He's, he did the original Warhammer Quest Silver Tower. He's done uh, Dreadball. He did, let's see, did Gore Chosen. He just, he's done a few games on uh, this kind of miniature skirmish small box games that I've really liked. And he always has some kind of cool twist and wrinkle, some fun mechanic in there. And so it's Hellboy. I like the art and stuff of Hellboy. I like the look of it. And I like kind of the vibe of it. It's sort of a silly, weird, sort of superhero thing, but not really, you know, it's Hellboy, right? Um, so yeah, I'm excited to try this and check it out and see if uh, there's anything kind of interesting or different about uh, Hellboy. So again, this is Hellboy. I think it's coming out later in the year. They had a Kickstarter and stuff uh, last year and it funded pretty successfully. Now number 10 is actually a redo of an older game. This is called Samurai Battles. Now this is a Richard Borg commands and colors system and I actually have a review for the old version of Samurai Battles that was a weird kind of hybrid game it had two modes, it had the commands and colors mode and this, uh, I can't remember the system, it's a Russian company that did it, Zavita and that had a really interesting system as well now this is being published by GMT and it's not going to use miniatures, it's going to use stickered blocks now I really liked Samurai Battles, if I have to pick my favorite command and colors Series, it's going to be Battle Lore, the second edition, but I think I haven't thought about it too hard. But my second or third favorite would be Samurai Battles. It had some really interesting little wrinkles on mechanics, some of which you can actually see kind of uh, evolve into uh, what Battle Lore has with the way they did the magic system in the second one. But they have a kind of a morale system and stuff like that, and there's like a way of like breaking uh, the troops and all that. If you go look at my review of Samurai Battles, you'll kind of get some of the details there. It's a really old, terrible, crappy review. But I like the stickered blocks. I find that as a really interesting, the look and feel of it. Like, I don't know. Like a lot of people are like, well, why wouldn't you like miniatures more than stickered blocks? I don't know what it is. I really like the aesthetic and the feel of these big, chunky colored blocks. And the art is usually very smartly done on the stickers and stuff. And uh, I don't know. I just I just really like that, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, this system come out because it, this system works really well. This sort of the theme and the uh, the type of combat that you have with like a little bit of ranged archer combat and a lot of melee combat and stuff, and the, the way that the command and color system sort of feels thematically, I think fits this sort of time frame and this kind of battle uh, pretty well. So that's Samurai Battles. Definitely looking forward to that from GMT Games. number nine is the Shadows of Brimstone Forbidden Fortress. So if you've been listening to the channel for a while, you know I'm a huge Shadows of Brimstone fan. I've become more and more of a fan over the years. Uh, This is sort of the second launch or reissue of the system. Now Shadows of Brimstone was set kind of in the Old West, but then you would explore caves and find different dimensions and you'd get this black stone and... uh, Uh, you know, he would like get crazy magical bullets in your pistols and all this stuff. Like my character in the games we've been playing is a nun that wields a giant shotgun and all this stuff. So it's just really crazy. It's like this mishmash of themes and you can land into an alien spaceship if you go through the right, wrong tunnel in in the mines and stuff. So this is ported over to like kind of a samurai vibe. Oh, that's funny. I have two samurai games next to each other. And uh, so you can mix and match these though with the old west stuff. So you can have like you know, Calamity Jane and then a samurai together that happened to meet up in this caves and go fight. So, yeah, I'm just super excited for that. And it's really the most RPG-feeling, dungeon-crawl, boxed game thing that I've felt. And, I, you know, if you watch the channel, you know I've reviewed a lot of these over the years. Um, Blackstone Fortress, obviously, was my game of the year last year. Uh, but still, Shadows of Brimstone is like the most role-playing-feeling of these kind of games with just all the wacky crazy stuff that can happen you've got character sheets and experience points and different inventory and, and really I almost wish they didn't have cards and for everything in the game because I could just throw the cards out give me like a player's manual and give me a character sheet and I will still just play the same mechanics you know that you've got in the box because it feels really like after a while it feels, like, well, it feels like a role-playing game with like you know not crazy character intensive stuff it's more hack and slash but still it still has that vibe anyway so that's shadows of brimstone forbidden fortress uh number eight is another gale force nine game this is vault of dragons this is set in the dungeons and dragons universe and if you ever played uh sons of anarchy from gale force nine that came out a few years ago it had this word weird worker placement combat area control thing where you were different biker gangs that were sort of taking over different illicit businesses and fighting each other and stuff this has some similar mechanics to it i got a chance to look at it at gen con And it's set in the D&D universe, so you're sort of competing against each other to be the first to sort of gather up your resources and stuff and go on these quests into this underground dungeon or something. And uh, it looks really cool. So I'm pretty excited about that. I think this one's coming out pretty soon, I'm not sure. But I really did enjoy that mechanics, and it's a little bit more accessible uh, of a game than like drug dealing, jerk, cuss word, cuss word, uh, you know, biker criminals. Uh, So it should be a little more accessible. um, And, you know, just Dungeons and Dragons adventures and stuff sort of backstabbing each other. Uh, But anyway, that's Vault of Dragons. Looking forward to that one uh, quite a bit. Now, number seven uh, was just announced uh, not uh, maybe a week or two ago. And uh, I wouldn't have known about it. And I'm glad I know about it because now I'm anticipating it. It's uh, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth. And this is a uh, game from Fantasy Flight Games. And it's gonna be an app-driven game, kind of like Mansions of Madness, or maybe the new Descent or Imperial Assault apps. And of course it's set in Middle-earth. Now the cool thing is it's from the ground up, has been designed to work with uh, the app. So out of those three games that I mentioned, Mansions of Madness, Descent, Imperial Assault, definitely the best of those in terms of the app play is Mansions of Madness. I still like Imperial Assault for, you know, the normal game and the skirmish stuff. But if just talking about the app and how it works and how the gameplay works, Mansions of Madness is just crushes those other two, and it's really a, a fun, good time. And I think it's the best uh, sort of integrated kind of app game. I I think so. I mean, you can take stuff like Chronicles of Crime and stuff like that. That's really good too. But the app like is the game, I guess, more in Mansions of Madness. I don't know. It's like a little bit more. Uh, rooted in there like it has its little tentacles in the gameplay more where like in Chronicles of of Crime or whatever the gameplay still feels very much like discussion between players whereas and it's just kind of scripted there and just displayed where the app in Mansions of Badness is really doing some thinking kind of behind the scenes uh, and a little bit more reacting I guess I don't know I have to think think about that a little bit but I think because Journeys in Middle-Earth is kind of designed with that same thing in mind we might get a really good uh, similar feel uh, to Mansions of Madness as what we might get in Journeys in the Middle Earth. So I'm pretty excited about that. To see how, how much they really kind of push the envelope with the app-driven stuff. And it's Lord of the Rings, which I like. So that's number seven. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle Earth. Uh, number six is *Gugong*, And this is being brought over by Tasty Minstrel Games. I think this is the... Well, this isn't the only Euro, but it's one of the few Euros on this list. This is coming really soon. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, some of my group uh, mates had uh, the chance to play it over at a convention over in the Seattle area uh, at the end of last year. I didn't have a chance to go to that, um, but it's from the same designer as uh, Hansa Teutonica and uh, Forense, I think was the other game I liked of his. So yeah, I'm always pretty excited about his stuff, just to kind of see what he what he's doing. And, and honestly, that's the only reason I'm excited about it uh, is on based on word of mouth from some of my friends. And then it's from the same designer, Hans of Teutonica. So I'm like, well, okay. If you guys liked it, we all, we all like Hans of Teutonica. And so this should be a good one. Good time to play. So that's Gugong Again, it's being brought over by Tasty Mitchell here pretty soon. Uh, number five is from Awakened Realms. And this is uh, Tainted Grail. This was on Kickstarter right at the end of last year. Uh, if you know, I really liked Lords of Hellas from them last year. And then the Edge Dawnfall I also really liked this is kind of like their take on seventh continent where you have a very story driven card driven uh kind of narrative adventure but also with these giant ridiculous (laughs) miniatures and uh, i've had a chance to kind of look through some of the material for it and it looks pretty interesting in terms of what the story is going to be and all that kind of stuff um and it just looks i don't know it just looks it's like kind of a very kind of grim dark kind of vibe and I kind of missed out on Seventh Continent, and I've heard from some of my friends that they really have enjoyed it. Uh, so hopefully uh, Tainted Grail kind of will meet that kind of high standard by Seventh Continent and tell a really interesting story and just be kind of engaging in that way. And I, I haven't really played, you know, I think because I haven't played Seventh Continent and I've liked the other Awakens Realms games uh, for the most part, then that, that's, you know, that's a reason for me to get excited about it. It would be nice to have this kind of nice, just kind of narrative uh, you know, even if it's a little linear, yeah, I, I don't know that I would mind that much. But I'm just kind of very curious about this style. It's like a giant choose-your-own-adventure game with uh, an, an epic scope and lots of gameplay and cool miniatures and all that kind of fun stuff. So that's Tainted Grail, number five. And then number four is coming from Plat Hat Games. This is Comanots. And I did have a chance to try this at uh, Gen Con last year, and I'm actually looking at the box here. This is a really... A uh, very different game, and uh, what is a co-op game? And it's an adventure book game, kind of like the uh, gosh, I can never remember the name of this game. That's from the same designer as this game. Uh, it's a Fable Tales. Gosh, I don't know why I can't. I never played it. That's why I can't remember the name. That was kind of like a children's book that you would do an adventure through, and you had these little uh, pawns, and you you'd go on the little map on the book and and do these dice actions and stuff. This is different. It's a little bit more of an adult theme. There's a guy that was working on some giant machine to save Earth from uh, from uh, exploding or something. And then uh, he, he, through the use of that machine in his experiments, he's now slipped into a coma. He's the only one that can activate the machine and save the Earth. And the accident also created a black hole in the middle of the Earth, which is slowly expanding. So you go through these kind of like mental telepathy machines because you and the rest of the players have like this... Empathetic, uh, empathetic, uh, telepathic kind of you know some symbiosis with this doctor, and you need to save him or else Earth is going to uh, perish, and you've got to kind of work through this sort of psychological damage that's been done and kind of work through his childhood memories and stuff and some traumas and things. So it's really interesting game, uh, and I'm very excited to get this to the table really soon and play through it and just kind of work through the story of it and and all that kind of stuff and just kind of experience that uh, in a different way. I've gotten through the rules now uh, more formally and stuff, so I'm, I'm still just as excited about it. That's number four, Comanauts. Uh Number three is Underwater Cities, and this is being brought over by Rio Grande Games, and I had a chance to play this uh, once uh, last year, and uh, and I'm really excited for this one. This one would have been high up my list of 2018 games, I think, if I would had a chance to play it a little bit more, and also if it was out <laughs> you know it's not really out in the united states i don't really count it as two thousand eighteen because it's nowhere to exist even though it says on board game Geek, it's two thousand eighteen um, so it's really cool like a worker placement card game and uh... yeah it's i mean i can already recommend this like i want to play it some more to kind of be more formal in my reviewing or whatever um, but yeah i definitely recommend uh... underwater cities hundred percent if you like a good uh, you know, solid, heavy-ish, not super heavy, but it's a little heavy, Euro, with some really smart, innovative mechanics. Uh, Definitely take a look at Underwater Cities, and it's really pretty to look at and everything too. So that's number three, Underwater Cities. Uh, Number two is Claustrophobia 1643. Uh, This is one I did back on Kickstarter. Uh, It's, I should actually have it in, uh, when this goes live in my, I might actually, actually have it by the time this actually goes live. Uh, Yeah, so Claustrophobia, the original one, is a two-player sort of dungeon crawl, just head-to-head. That's it. One player plays like a demon, the other one controls a party of characters, and you work through some scenarios. It's just kind of a head-to-head combat game. It's more of a skirmish combat game than a dungeon crawl, although it's kind of both. So I'm very much uh, looking forward to the new edition of it. It looks fantastic. Uh, The miniatures aren't pre-painted like they were in the original it looks like there's some solid updates to the mechanics with the card play and the dice play. It's kind of like you're playing uh, Kingsburg or something, or gosh, I don't know. What are some other games? Like, like Alien Frontiers, but it's like a dungeon crawl, so it's got some real interesting streamlined mechanics, or like uh, Warhammer Quest Silver Tower, you know, that, that sort of thing. So anyway, I'm very much looking forward to that. Claustrophobia 1643, that's my number two. Now, number one, which I also backed on Kickstarter, is Time of Legends, Joan of Arc. I had a chance to play this also at Gen Con, and it kind of blew me out of the water. It's a very small scale uh, miniatures combat game. You have giant hexes and stuff that you're on, and it's sort of like playing like battle lore or something. So, uh, you know, th- they're smaller scale than like a 28 millimeter. And so you have these different like clumps of troops and units and stuff. But the amount of like narrative and just the wrinkles and stuff that you can do in the different scenarios is just amazing. I was very thematic, and the way that the different thematic wrinkles in the different scenarios work, and how they translate kind of mechanically, I thought was just awesome. I mean, the miniatures themselves look really cool, the, like, different terrain pieces, and the uh, the different uh, tiles, and the cards, and everything, and the way that the just the general system works, and the back and forth of, uh, you have like this, I don't remember what it's called, because I don't have the game, but there's like this sort of, like, initiative track, like, you like push and pull to get, kind of steal initiative and stuff, so there was like it kind of like similar to claustrophobia. There's like some really smart euro-like mechanics in this, you know, combat game, uh, and with a lot of theme in this particular case. In terms of, you know, like I said, the way that you could kind of do a bunch of the narrative stuff. Uh, the, the one takeaway from it was like when we played it and we got done, it was like, yeah, we were competing, but we still really felt like we were telling a story uh, over the course of the game, and that's kind of the the one. The one thing I really have enjoyed about playing miniatures games over the last couple of years is when you can get a game in that's st- still very like a competition, but you both players are still invested in the narrative as well as just the mechanics and winning. And so the narrative itself, I thought it was really cool. So I'm like, this is good because this is, this is getting to kind of the stuff that some of the Age of Sigmar, Necromunda, uh, Frostgrave kind of thing uh, gets at is that real steeping, strong narrative bite with some you know smart gameplay and smart mechanics. So, okay, that's uh, the, my top 15 uh, anticipated games from 2019. Uh, I, do, I do have an honorable mention, the Mother of Dragons uh, expansion for Game of Thrones. Uh, we're probably gonna try to play that here in the next month, um, but, uh, but I've, I've kind of had that for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so I didn't really feel like putting it on the, on the list. Uh, I have had a chance to glance at the rules and stuff, it looks really cool. So we're gonna try to play, uh, well, actually we might try to play it uh, next week and do a a lower player count uh, because the expansion supposedly fixes some of the issues playing with less than six. So we'll see, Uh, but yeah. So that's the top 15 plus the honorable mention. I hope folks have a nice, good uh, 2019. I hope everybody has a good luck with the Gen Con housing, which is coming up in a couple of days. And uh, well, I'm crossing my fingers for a good spot so I can get a good, good room. And uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, I've gotten screwed kind of the last couple of years out of that, which is, uh, which whatever. Now that I've spoken out loud about it, it's probably some karma <laughs> coming my way. But anyway, hope everybody has a good year. Uh, take care of yourselves, and uh, definitely leave any comments and games that you're looking forward to. Maybe that I didn't mention because, uh, yeah, because I like I said, it's hard to know what's coming out. And a lot of times they don't announce stuff until that year or, you know, this is coming out in two months or next month because it's, you don't want to announce stuff too soon, right? Because then people will forget. So that is it. Have a good one. Thanks.